grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My dear fellow members of God's holy family, Throughout the midweeks in Lent, we studied the history of Jesus' final hours before his death. For our meditations, we used the theme, Drink It to the Full, as we witnessed the various cups of suffering that Jesus drank in his passion. We began by witnessing Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, handing him over to the chief priest for 30 silver coins, Jesus did nothing to stop Judas, but willingly drank that cup of betrayal. And then we got to sit in like flies on the wall to hear Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed that God would take away that cup of suffering, yet God would not. Jesus would drink that cup of God's will and would suffer for us. And then we fireside with Peter. Peter, that bold and faithful apostle who denied even knowing Jesus, much less being one of his disciples, Jesus drank that cup of disappointment. And then we got a backstage view at Jesus' trial before Roman Governor Pontius Pilate. Pilate declared Jesus innocent, and yet he still sentenced him to death. Jesus raised no objection as he drank that cup of injustice. And then we witnessed the Roman soldiers' treatment of Jesus as they disgraced him and shamed him. Jesus drank that cup of humiliation. Throughout the Passion history, we see Jesus drinking the various cups of suffering so that we never would have to. It was Jesus who drank that cup. Jesus, who was betrayed so that we never would be. And it was Jesus who did the Father's will to suffer so that we wouldn't have to. It was Jesus who was disappointed so that we would never be let down. It was Jesus who suffered injustice so that we would be declared not guilty. And it was Jesus who was disgraced and humiliated so that we will be honored before the Father. We see throughout the Passion the various cups of suffering that Jesus drank. And now tonight, on this Holy Thursday, we encounter another cup. But this cup is not filled with despair or shame or suffering. This is a cup that's filled with grace. This is the cup of forgiveness. And we see in a way that can only be described as miraculous that the cup is extended to us. The Apostle Paul, who wrote our second lesson, which we'll consider for tonight's meditation, he was writing to the Corinthian congregation. This congregation seemed to have lost sight of what the Lord's Supper really meant. And so the Apostle Paul took them back to the original institution. It seems like these people were struggling with a lot of different struggles in their congregation. They were divided about which spiritual leader they should follow. They hadn't come to a proper resolution with a member who was sleeping with his stepmother. 
and they were divided in their worship practices. It seemed more like a conglomeration of noise and as opposed to a peaceful, meditative worship as they pondered the Lord. This congregation seemed to be spiritually spiraling out of control. It's no surprise that their hardships and their difficulties extended to the Lord's Supper as well. These people, they were celebrating the Lord's Supper as part of a meal. And there's nothing wrong with partaking in the Lord's Supper during the course of a banquet with fellow Christians. That's how Jesus was dining with his disciples when he first instituted the Lord's Supper. But this was no meal of unity. This was a meal that was ripe with divisions. The wealthy people in the congregation, they used this as an opportunity to get drunk on wine. And those have-nots of society, well, they were left to starve. These people were certainly drink, eating the bread and drinking the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. And they were guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord, as Paul said in verses 27 and 28. It might be difficult to understand this sort of situation but I think it's closer to us than we might imagine. It's difficult to imagine someone coming up and standing at the Lord's Supper and then getting drunk on wine. But it might not be so difficult to imagine that taking place the night before. We would never imagine allowing one of our fellow believers to starve. But it might not be a foreign concept to stand shoulder to shoulder with someone at the Lord's Supper, and we think that we're miles smarter, more attractive, more influential than that person. And it's not, you might not have to think back too many Sundays to recall a time when the first time you really pondered what you were going to receive was when the host was just five people away. So let's go back and study anew that original institution of the Lord's Supper and see the forgiveness that we have in our Savior. That Holy Thursday, that first Holy Thursday, might rightly be summarized with one word, service. It was Jesus who was serving us. We heard in our gospel lesson how Jesus quite literally took on the role of a servant. He, wrote, he wrapped his cloak around him, got down on his hands and knees, and washed the feet of his disciples. After the meal, Jesus continued to serve. He was willingly betrayed by Judas. He served by continuing on the path, even though it was difficult, and even though he was abandoned by his followers. And Jesus served by enduring all of that punishment at the hands of the Romans, which led all the way to the cross, it's clear from Jesus' passion that he was willing to undergo great personal loss for us. It's clear that he was willing to drink every cup of suffering to offer us forgiveness. It's right in the middle of Jesus' service that he stops to serve some more. Jesus was going to die at the end of this evening. He was going to do that to win forgiveness for his disciples, for us, for the entire world. But he paused to offer them a visible cup of forgiveness, a special meal 
for their forgiveness of sins. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. That bread of the Passover was no longer just merely bread. This was now bread that was one with Christ's body. And that chalice that was filled with wine, that wine was no longer merely wine, but now it was wine that was one with Christ's blood. Jesus calls this the new covenant in his blood. The old covenantal code was done away with because the thing that it pointed ahead to, Jesus was here. He was here to offer forgiveness. This was a free gift. This was the master coming down to serve his people, taking on the role of a servant to give them the forgiveness of sins as they eat his body and drink his blood. Jesus instructs us to partake in this most blessed feast in remembrance of me. The Corinthians, they were failing to remember Christ. That was their whole issue. They were thinking about self, not about Savior. Let's take some time tonight to consider our Savior and meditate on him as we partake in this great feast. Ponder the price that Christ paid to pardon all of your sins. Consider the death that he died to destroy the devil Appreciate anew the atonement that Christ was winning for you. As we experience this unity with God, we also get unity with each other. We come to the Lord's table together as a church body, as a church family. We gather together and we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Differences in tax brackets and social status melt away as we receive that cup of forgiveness on our lips. We don't typically enjoy sharing a drinking vessel with someone else, unless, of course, you're my wife, Hannah. Hannah really appreciates when we share a glass, when we get to drink it together. Her justification is twofold. First, we went a few years without a dishwasher, so we're, we're big on saving dishes, even at the cost of germs. But more critically, she appreciates the unity that, that, it, that it shows. She doesn't share a drinking glass with strangers. She doesn't even share the same cup with her friends or other family members. But with me, her husband, she does, and happily so. We're united together. We're a family. We who enjoy the Lord's Supper together, we're united. We are a family. Whether that's drinking from a pod, the individual cup, or the common cup, we're united together in a powerful way. We get to receive Christ's forgiveness, and we get to do it together. Satan has no ability to bud in and break up the unity that we have in Christ as we drink this cup of forgiveness together. Jesus drank those various cups of suffering he was handed over by Judas. He did God's will and suffered for us. He was disappointed by Peter. He suffered injustice in a phony trial. Jesus was shamed and placed on the cross. 
All this he did so that he could extend to us a cup to drink. This is a cup that's filled with grace and forgiveness. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So drink it, and drink it to the full. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand for our confession of faith. Tonight we confess our faith through a responsive pondering of the Lord's Supper. What is the sacrament of Holy Communion? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ for us Christians to eat and to drink. Where is this written? The holy evangelists Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the Apostle Paul tell us, Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Who then is properly prepared to receive this sacrament? Fasting and other outward preparations may serve a good purpose, but he is properly prepared who believes these words, given and poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. But whoever does not believe these words or doubts them is not prepared because the words for you require nothing but hearts that believe. You may be seated. At this time, we now collect our offering, our gifts of thanks and praise to the Lord. We're also passing out our friendship registers at this time. Please fill those registers out so we can continue to do what we've been called to do here at Abiding Grace. Encourage one another on towards love and good deeds. <laughs> 